What's up, cyber and crypto peeps? Hope everybody's doing good. Hope you had a good weekend. Today is Monday, October the 28th of 2019, and this is episode number 92 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely my opinions and do not reflect that of my employer. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. All right, we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. Had an interesting debate that came up at work, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. That debate was about password managers or two-factor, which one is better for the enterprise. And the the arguments on both sides were, were quite interesting, so we'll talk about that and uh, some of the stuff that came out of that. So I thought it was very, very interesting to hear everybody's different opinions on that. Uh, certainly enlightening in some ways, too. So we'll talk about that stuff. So on the cybersecurity side of things, we're going to talk about a company called Unicredit and what happened to them. They had another data breach, apparently. Talk a little bit about D-Link, some more issues there. Also going to talk about Adobe and what happened with them. Also going to talk quickly about a PHP bug that's out right now that's pretty critical. Also going to talk a little bit about a an IoT pet feeder that some security researchers were able to hack into. On the cryptocurrency side of things, there's a lot to talk about there. We're certainly going to get into the price fluctuations and what's been going on with that. It's been quite crazy over the last week or so, so we'll talk about that. Also going to talk about the company called Backed and what they're doing. They're really making a huge name for themselves, so talk a little bit about those guys. We'll talk briefly about Libra and just some quick updates on that debacle. I was going to talk about the next Ethereum upgrade. That upgrade is called Istanbul, so we'll talk about that a little bit. And we're also going to talk finally about more Telegram news and what's going on there. All right, so let's dive right in here. Let's start with Let's start with cryptocurrency today. We'll change it up a little bit. So we'll start with Telegram and what's going on with those guys. As you know, Telegram is trying to release their own cryptocurrency, similar to how Facebook is trying to release theirs. And of course, the uh, SEC said, nope, you are not allowed to do that. And here's why, because it did meet all these regulations. And so, of course, investors, I'm sure, were thinking, man, do, do we just scrap this whole thing? That's what investors in Libra ended up doing. They said, nope, I'm out. See you later. But apparently the investors in Telegram said that they would rather delay the launch uh, instead of getting their money back. So I thought that was quite interesting. Now, they are saying that they could launch it in other countries outside of the U.S. and just not include the United States in that launch. So that may end up being what happens with Telegram, but we don't know yet. I'm, I'm going to guess that they're going to have to meet all the same regulatory hurdles that Libra was supposed to. So I just don't see that happening, but I guess you never know. We'll, we'll see what, what comes of that. All right, so let's talk about the, the crazy price of Bitcoin here over the last few days. It's been quite volatile. So I think it was probably two days ago. We got all the way up to 10,500. We were floating right around 7,000, and then it just, boom, went up to 10,5. And that was just crazy. And so now it's, it's back down to earth a little bit, uh, but we're, we're still doing pretty good uh, in the grand scheme of things. We're floating around uh, 9,480-ish. 
So that's actually doing pretty good. Uh, we did dip a little bit from that uh, 10.5 mark that we hit, but that was a crazy surge just kind of all of a sudden. But they're linking a lot of this to this company called Bakkt. It's B-A-K-K-T, and they're launching their Bitcoin futures um, on their platform. So, man, that's just a huge, huge, huge price increase there. Uh, they're also saying some of this is related to China and what's happening over there. So I guess all in all, good news for Bitcoin in general. We'll see if we continue this upward trend. I would, sh I would sure as heck like to. And I hope that we finally get to that bull market that everybody's been talking about. But you just never really know. But uh, the folks in China, uh, one of their, I guess he was the, the Chinese president, I want to say. Uh, told a whole bunch of people, I guess it was just anybody in the country, that they needed to seize the opportunity afforded by blockchain technology. So shortly after that is when the price just went through the roof, apparently. So pretty interesting stuff there. All right, some other news here about Ethereum. So they are doing their next big code upgrade called Istanbul. That's going to come out on December the 4th. What does it mean for you? Nothing at the moment. We're not moving to proof of stake yet. This is just all in preparation to get to proof of stake. They are making mining for Ethereum more difficult as part of this upgrade. So that's going to be interesting to see how all of the mining community takes that. So aside from making mining more difficult, they are going to introduce some changes uh, with the pricing and, and various fees and whatnot on the Ethereum platform to make that a little bit more affordable, I guess you could say. So that's also a good thing for everybody. And there's a couple other tweaks built into that, but nothing too crazy. And you probably won't even notice too much unless you're out there mining for Ethereum. So that'll be interesting to see how that affects all the Ethereum mining out there. But again, they're trying to go to proof of stake next year. So they're trying to push everybody away from mining. All right. So, of course, the story that keeps on giving our friends at Libra, they just can't take no for an answer. Mr. Zuckerberg is in front of Congress and it's been quite the debacle. And they're still saying that they're going to rewrite all of the code on that platform if they have to just to meet regulatory requirements. I thought that was pretty fascinating. And essentially, it would just make it a completely different cryptocurrency if, if that's really what they're going to do. Uh, everything that they proposed with Libra and how it was going to operate, if they go ahead and rewrite all these things that we're going to match up with compliance, it won't even be the same thing. It won't even be close to what Libra originally was. So they're still pushing for it. They have no investors anymore, but Zuckerberg is still pushing for it. So... I guess we'll see what happens, but I just I guess I just have no faith in it at this point. It thinks looks like it's a sinking ship, but what do I know? All right, so I I talked briefly about that company called Bakkt, B A K K T, and aside from their Bitcoin futures, they're also releasing a consumer payments app, and it's apparently going to be able to be used at places like Starbucks. So this is kind of cool. It's coming out in 2020, so we got a little ways here, but they're starting to get into this payment app game and hopefully bring cryptocurrency to the masses a little bit better. So I'd say that company is doing quite well for itself. Uh, if you haven't checked them out yet, highly recommend just, you know, give them, give them a look and see what you think before, of course, you invest anything. 
but they do have quite a bit of cool stuff on their platform so it's worth it's definitely worth the time to to take a look again it's b-a-k-k-t all right so let's jump over to the cybersecurity side of things it seems like every month or so we hear about these d-link routers and of course there's another one that has a a vulnerability that can be exploited remotely and oh man it's just sad d-links had a whole bunch of issues they even had a I want to say they had some sort of regulation placed on them where they had to have uh, some sort of third-party company review each firewall device before it's released to the public and making sure it's secure and they have to be audited and all kinds of other crazy stuff because they've had so many of these devices that are just ridiculously vulnerable. So here's yet another one out there just sitting on the web. I'm sure uh, those will start getting exploited as well depending on how many there are out there. All right, some other news here about a company called Unicredit. And they apparently were hit, of course, here recently with a pretty big cyber attack data breach. But they've also been hit with a data breach back in 2016 and also 2017. So this is now their third data breach. So they're calling this a data breach, right? And the things that were, quote-unquote, breached were telephone numbers, email addresses... Uh, cities where the clients were registered, and that's pretty much it. And apparently there was some sort of a file that was generated in, in 2015 that was out there on the web, I guess. And they're not releasing any information about how the file got out there or anything like that. But this file had 3 million customers' information in it, and that's why it's such a big deal right now. So I guess the good thing is it's, it's phone numbers, email addresses, and cities, but... At the same time, all those email addresses can now be used for phishing, and you know maybe they can use the phone numbers for SIM swapping attacks. I mean, who knows, right? But what's what's really fascinating about Unicredit is they spent over two point four billion dollars on cybersecurity. <laughs> that is a crap ton of money since their uh, second data breach. They've been spending like crazy, and which is good, of course. You know, you would think that that would help, but this one little thing sitting out there since 2015, and boom, here you go. More data is exposed. I personally don't really call this a, a breach, per se. To me, it's just more like a leak. Data was just sitting out there, and you know, it wasn't like something got hacked into, at least as far as I understand this here. They're not giving a lot of details on, on how that file was exposed there, but... Pretty interesting stuff. This is going to cause a lot of issues with GDPR as well. So just uh, quite the mess there, quite the mess. But it's really fascinating. They spent so much money on cybersecurity, and then it still wasn't enough to stop this kind of thing from happening. So th that speaks to a bigger thing, right? It's, it's, it's one thing to spend money and just throw a bunch of tools at the problem and hope that it fixes your cybersecurity woes. But you also have to have a program that, that's managed well. You have to have people that understand how to use those tools and make sure that they're using them efficiently and effectively. And if you do have those people that are doing those things and they're able to help you run your cybersecurity program, a lot fewer of these issues will start to happen. So I'm, I'm going to 
go out on a limb and say that they probably don't have a good uh, leader that's leading that cybersecurity charge. Um, it just sounds like they bought a bunch of devices and maybe some software thinking that was going to fix everything. And really it's not. It's, it's, a, it's a full program that you need to mature and manage. I mean, there's a lot more to it than just throwing some tools at it. They always say it's people, process, and technology. And that is absolutely correct. You can't just have one piece of that. You can't just have technology. You got to have the people and you got to have a process too. So anyway, you can spend all that money there and, and still have an issue like this. That was crazy. 2.4 billion. Ouch. Speaking of data leaks, Adobe Creative Cloud. Guess what? 7.5 million customers data. Wow, that's a bunch of people. <laughs> so apparently this, this information was leaked. It was account creation data. Adobe products used, subscription status, whether or not the user is an Adobe employee, member IDs, country, time since last login, and payment status. So I guess the good news here is there was no passwords and no payment information as a part of this data leak. But it seems like every day and every week we hear about these, these data leaks because some database was left out on the web unsecured. And guess what? This one is no different. So Adobe, of course, admitted the security error, and they say they're going to fix it, and blah, blah, blah. They didn't say what type of database this was, or how or why it was exposed. But, I mean, just looking at the data that was out there, really wasn't, I guess, all that sensitive kind of data. But nonetheless, it's, it's just another data leak out there. My guess is it would be a Mongo database, or an Elasticsearch database, but that has yet to be named uh, in this article. So what do you think about that as a, as a consumer? Do you think that those two types of leaks that we just talked about there with Unicredit and Adobe, do you feel like those are things to be worried about or things you're like, yeah, whatever. They got my phone number. They got my email address. You know, they got my Adobe account number, my customer ID, the country I live in, the last time I logged in. Is any of that stuff sensitive? Does anybody care about any of that stuff? I guess that's the big question. I think more importantly, just knowing that this information, whether it's sensitive or not, knowing that the companies allow this information to get out there, I think is what's mostly important. You can see their lack of cybersecurity awareness, uh, their lack of security, and things like this happen. So I think we should at least take note of those kind of events. But of course, there was nothing super sensitive in there. So that's good. But take note of that because that might make you think twice about using Unicredit or, or even Adobe. All right, some other news here about PHP. There is a very easy to exploit buffer overflow bug in PHP that allows remote code execution. So this one's pretty big because a lot of systems, a lot of servers out there on the web use PHP. Uh, they're estimating about 30% of modern websites have some sort of PHP. Uh, a lot of them like WordPress, Drupal, and anything that runs apparently on Nginx servers. So this is a pretty big one. Of course, there is a patch now. But there's also a proof of concept sitting out there on the web too for attackers to use. So if you use WordPress, if you use any of these other systems, if you use PHP at all, make sure you go out there and get that update. This one's pretty big. All right, some other news here about a smart pet feeder. <laughs> Crazy, right? What's the world come to? Smart pet feeders are out there, but 
A security researcher in Russia found API and firmware bugs that impact around 10,950 of these little pet feeders. So apparently the, the flaws that this guy found allows you to just take complete access over the pet feeder. Now, why should we give a crap about pet feeders? Well, if you have access to 10,000 of these things, you could use them for crypto mining. You could use them as a botnet. You could do all kinds of crazy stuff with it, right? Especially if you have full control over it, you can do whatever the heck you want. Pretty crazy. So that's yet again another IoT device out there that's flawed. And it seems like we hear more and more and more about flawed IoT devices the more that stuff becomes prevalent. All right, the last thing I wanted to talk about was the conversation I had with uh, some folks that I work with about password management versus multi-factor. So the debate was, do we pay for a password manager program or do we just turn on multi-factor for everyone? And if we turn on multi-factor for everyone, do we care what their password is. Do we care how weak their password is? So there's there's a lot to think about right there. Ultimately, my thought was that you'd want to do both, really, more than anything. Uh, just because you're using multi-factor doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to stop everything, right? Somebody might accidentally allow, like when somebody, you get the push notification to your phone, for example, you might accidentally hit accept or yes or allow or whatever it is, and boom, that could get somebody in, especially if you have a weak password. So the question was, well, they can have any password they want, right? Well, not really. They still need to have a strong password and they need to have multi-factor because you have to have the password first to even get the prompt for multi-factor. So if we just have super easy passwords out there, hackers have all those, then they can just sit there and keep prompting us left and right for two-factor and that's not necessarily a good thing because eventually they will get you. So in the end, we d did decide to go with a password manager because we found out that there were numerous other sites that people were going to that were business related, but they were using really, really bad passwords on them. And a whole bunch of people had access to that password and it was just a mess. So we had to make sure that everybody got the new password manager software. We use Dashlane personally. Um, we got their business edition. And so that's what we use across the enterprise uh, at a few of our clients now. So it's been very stable. It's been very nice to use. And probably the best thing about it is you can share some of those passwords that are needed by multiple people and it doesn't handcuff you. And the best part is you, you can use a really, really good password and everybody can still share that password if they absolutely have to. So it was good. Uh, rolling that kind of thing out is, is not trivial, of course, but once you get everybody used to it, once you get everybody into it and, and doing it regularly, it makes it way, way, way easier. So anyway, that's kind of what came out of that is, yes, we need both. So let's do both. <laughs> and that's that's also what I'd recommend, of course, for, for everybody else out there thinking about that. All right, folks, that's all I got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy, at CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles that we talk about here on the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again soon.